Good hello, my sweet friends, and welcome to The Thick Witch Podcast, a podcast where we talk about witchcraft, feminism, body positivity, true crime, history, and pretty much whatever I want to talk to. My, talk to? Talk about? Oh, God. Off to a great start. My name is Victoria. You can find me on other social medias as Victoria Shaz. I am a witch who loves to talk about things that she's passionate about, loves to talk about true crime, loves to talk about history and body positivity, and I decided I wanted to create a podcast about those things. A place where we can all sit down on a longer form and just chat about any given subject. We can discuss whatever we want. And actually, if you guys ever want to submit topic ideas, I would love to hear what you guys want to hear me talk about because this is a safe space for us all to discuss how we're feeling about things and spirituality and whatever the topic is. So I want it to be a safe space in the social media as well. Today, I really wanted to delve into discussing body positivity. The body positivity movement is something that I have been passionate about for a very long time. If you guys follow me on my other social medias and <clears throat> over the time that I've been creating content these past six years, you know that body positivity is a huge thing for me. It's for a reason. And I'm going to get into my history um, I'm going to talk about the relationship that I had with my body. I'm going to get pretty vulnerable with you guys in this episode and I'm going to talk to you about what my relationship with my body used to be like and how that affected me as a child and how I found body positivity and what I'm like now. And if you know me already, you know I'm probably too confident. <laughs> no such thing, but I like to crack that as a joke. But I want to discuss all of it with you guys. So let's start by having me chat about growing up in the 2000s and what my relationship with my body was like. So I am a 90s baby. I was born in the early 90s. I'm turning 27 this year in case you didn't know that. So I am approaching 30 <laughs> in years. But you know, this is the thing that people say. I don't really actually care about age, which is something that I'd like to discuss in a future episode, I think, because I like genuinely don't give a shit about the fact that I'm getting old. I digress. So I was born in the 90s and, you know, between like 1993 and 2000, I, I was too young to really comprehend the things that I was consuming, but I was still consuming them. So I was growing up in the era of Kate, what's her name? Oh my God. The one who said, would you like to eat cake or be skinny? Kate Moss. Um, actually, let me know if you guys mind me looking things up while we talk about this. I think that like adds to the the realness of this. But if you hate hearing clicking and whatnot, I can uh, cut that out in future. So, you know, in, in the 90s, she was very, very clearly had some disordered eating patterns and some some problems, but she was glorified for her weight. And there were other models who were glorified for being so, so, so incredibly unhealthily skinny. It was like a size zero was the goal for all women. Like all women wanted to be a size zero, like all of the models that they saw on TV, which I know now is unattainable for some women. So once the 2000s started, that mindset remained but it switched over to a whole new group of celebrities. And that's what I have a significant memory of. So between 2000 and 
2012, I had a horrible, horrible relationship with my body. I distinctly remember always, like I was like a normal sized kid. (laughs) Like I was a normal sized kid. I had baby fat. I was like a normal sized kid. And yet I always felt like I was fat. And I couldn't articulate to you why, but I always felt like I was fat. I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And I always felt like I was fat. I'm talking like age eight. And this was not the fault of my parents either. I'm very, very lucky that I have amazing parents who, you know, uh, my, my mom definitely like obviously struggled the same way that like any woman struggles with, but like that wasn't pushed on to me. Like she wasn't constantly talking about her diets with me when she was eight years old. You know what I mean? This was not like a conversation that was had when I was (laughs) eight. So I knew that I was like, I felt fat. When it really got bad was when I hit puberty. Um, I hit puberty when I was 12. I got my period when I was 12. Is that TMI? I don't know. I'm saying it anyways because this is a safe space. So I got my period when I was 12. So I was in grade seven and I had already been in like children's sizes, like 14. So like, you know how there's like kid sizes and then there's like women's sizes. I had been in like women's or kids size 14, which is like, it went up to like 16, but I was in normal sizes. And when I was a kid and I felt like I was fat because I had to buy a kid size 12, my mom would always be like, Victoria, the size doesn't matter. It's how it feels on your body. And that's why I really, really love my mom so much for how she really, you know, even though she was working against the entirety of society, she tried so hard to stop me from hating myself. And I really, really have so much respect for her for trying that. I digress though. So, uh, when I turned 12, I immediately got hips. So some girls, when they say they hit puberty, they say they immediately got boobs. I was the opposite. I immediately got hips. In my family, my mom's side of the family, we all have asses that won't quit. And, you know, it it just was part of it. It was just, I just immediately got hips. Now, this sucked because I was hitting puberty at the time that Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie were all the rage. So everybody was seeing Paris Hilton being an absolute wafer on television and Nicole Richie being absolutely frighteningly skinny on television. And they were glorifying their bodies. And then there were shows like The O.C. coming out where um, Misha Barton was so incredibly thin and her body was being glorified. So all of my friends were watching these television shows and seeing these very, very, very skinny people on TV. And then they were coming to school and they were seeing me, this curvy hippie girl who was 12 and I didn't know how to dress my body then. I was trying to wear low rise pants and seem really cool and I just didn't fit in. And I had always been bullied. Even before grade seven, I had been um, pretty much the only target of bullying in my elementary school classes. And then my schools got switched because of like bus routes or something. And then at the new school, I wasn't like exclusively targeted, but I was definitely an outcast. And it was because I liked reading and I was really smart. And, you know, I wasn't afraid, even then I wasn't afraid to tell people I didn't like them. And so I was, I was bullied and then, you know, I get my period and I get hips and I start getting bullied more. So I'm already an outcast at this school. 
And now I look different than everybody else. Everybody else is getting boobs and staying slim and they're getting boobs. Then there's me and I've got curves and I've got an ass that won't quit. And it was just like, oh my God, why am I defective? And that's how I felt. That's how I felt at 12. I felt like I was defective at 12 years old because I didn't see myself on television. I don't even know how people of color must have felt because I can't like it was already so hard for me to not see my body type on television. Never mind if I didn't see anybody with my skin color on television. I couldn't even fathom it. So, you know, what I dealt with was was pretty much probably nothing in comparison with people of color who just didn't read any books with you know people of color in them didn't see any television with people of color in them and didn't see any movies with people of color in them the whitewashing in the 2000s and you know forever is wild but I still did struggle and it was really hard for me so I I struggled in grade seven and grade eight I remember <laughs> My grad dress for grade eight was so cute. It was purple. It was to the ground. Um, even though I hated myself, I still did a lot of like performing on stage, which a lot of people, when I tell them that are like, well, you didn't actually hate yourself then. And I'm like, no, like I actually hated myself fully, completely. No questions asked. I just also loved being on stage and loved performing. So I had like this super cute grad dress and I look back on the photos and I'm like, oh my God, I was so cute. And my mom did a beautiful updo with these lovely little rhinestone clips that you could like twist into the buns that I got at Claire's. Oh my God. And it was like this sparkly purple dress and it was just perfect. And I loved it so, so much, but I remember distinctly how I felt and I felt like I looked fat. I look back on it now and I was like, oh my God, you were so tiny and you thought you were so fat. And that, I'm, I'm describing all of this because I really want to drive home how disordered my own perception of myself was. And so I'm going to continue with this and then we're going to talk about that. But I want to continue with this story and kind of walk you guys through my relationship with my body before we discuss all of this. So I had my grade eight grad, I went to high school. I struggled a lot in high school, but I started to flourish a bit more. I went to a high school where um, you just kind of, it was just a little different. That's how I'm gonna describe it. It was it was like a school for smart kids. <laughs> and so I went to this high school and um, I met a group of people that I really loved. And I'm still friends with a lot of them today. A few of them I'm not. But I'm still friends with like a handful of them today, which is really nice. And like I met my best friend in high school. So like I it's 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 high school wasn't bad for me. High school wasn't great for me, but it wasn't bad for me. High school was an upgrade from middle school, but university was really where it hits good. But high school was OK. High school was where the peak of my self-hatred for my body hit. Um in grade nine, I hated myself, but I also discovered that I liked people. <laughs> so um, I had crushes on people and I didn't really know what to do because I felt like I didn't look like any of the girls on television. So why would they be interested in me? I had this mousy, like dark, dirty blonde hair. And, um, I dyed it dark because I wanted my eyes to pop because that was the only part of myself that I liked. I liked my blue eyes and I didn't know, like, like the people that I had crushes on, like, I didn't know, 
how to handle that. So much so that I didn't do this in grade nine, but in grade 10, someone that I had a crush on said that they liked girls with blonde hair. And like two months later, I dyed my hair blonde. And let me tell you, that is the only time I've ever changed my hair for a person because I learned very quickly that it doesn't fucking matter. Um, it was like, it was just like, well, you know, I've always wanted to be blonde anyways. I may as well try it. Right. And so in grade 10, I tried dyeing my hair blonde because I hoped that that person would notice me. Fact of the matter is I was friends with that person. And if they were interested in me, they would have been interested in me regardless of my hair color. But insecure Victoria didn't know that. So at the end of grade 10, um, I fell into a little bit of kind of like an eating disorder pattern. Now, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but in the summer between grade 10 and grade 11, I decided to go on a healthy eating kick. And that's what I called it to my family. And what I would do is I would wake up in the morning and I would have a tea and I would have two digestive biscuits. And then I would get on my mom's bike because my mom had a stationary bike in our basement and I would ride the bike for four or five hours until I burned at least a thousand calories. I had to burn at least a thousand calories and I was tracking my calories and I wasn't eating junk food other than these two digestives in the morning and I would usually skip lunch because both of my parents were at work and they wouldn't know. And then I would have a small amount for dinner and then I'd have a nighttime snack and it would usually be fruit or of some kind because the only treat I would have would be the two digestive cookies in the morning. This might be triggering for some people because it's absolutely anorexia type of eating. I am very thankful that my parents clocked it within a few weeks. I only got away with this for a couple of weeks. Immediately, my mom was like, you're not eating enough. And she snapped me out of it. And I honestly, I can't remember how she snapped me out of it. All I remember of those, those like three weeks is being on the bike and wanting to burn a thousand calories. That's all I remember from that time period. And then I remember going out to eat with my family once and and being like yeah you know what like I'll treat myself to to a dessert here and I think that's kind of like where it might have like twigged with my mom because it was like this is not how Victoria usually is something's going on so she sat me down we talked about it and um I started eating again and then I was fine and I stopped doing the crazy workouts because once I had the sit down talk with her it was like I realized, okay, this was getting a little out of hand. I did have that self-awareness. I was just like so driven to, 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 to do this. And like my goal was literally just to be small. Like I just wanted to be smaller. And like I'm talking like I don't even remember what clothing size I was. Like an eight. I think I was an eight. And uh, yeah, like I think I was an eight. I was small, small, like an eight is still small, but I felt like that was the worst because an eight was one off of double digits and I could never hit double digit clothes. There's no way I could hit double digit clothes cut to now. <laughs> like, so I, I, that snapped me out of it. And that was, well, I kind of pegged that as like the moment where that's like the lowest point for me, um, which I'm really thankful for. I still really hated myself though. So while I was in grade 11, because I was anxious 
all the time. I want to do an episode on anxiety. I was anxious all the time and I hated myself. So I was anxious about what other people thought of me on top of my anxiety about life in general. And then I did a program called the Rangers program between grade 11 and grade 12. And that summer changed my life. And if, if, if the summer between grade 10 and grade 11 was the lowest point for me, the summer between grade 11 and grade 12 was the pivot point. It was the catalyst, the beginning of the path to where I am now. And it's because I spent that summer surrounded by 20 other girls of all different shapes of sizes, shapes and sizes. The, the women who ran the camp, they were all like beautiful women of different sizes and shapes and I wish there had been more people of color but I don't think like I don't know I I think there were only like a handful of people of color on our whole campsite but if any there was like a handful and uh so I was surrounded for two months by women all young girls all my age who were struggling with similar things that I was and then six supervisors who were a handful of years older so we could see where we could go and where we could grow and they were a handful of years older than us and they just fostered this sense of what matters is the work you do not the way you look beauty is important but but what's more important is the friends you make and the way you love people and the way you work and how you do things and I learned so much there and I <laughs> like I get emotional thinking about it because like I did so many things that I never thought I'd be able to do when I was there there were just those women changed my life and I think back on it and I've never I would not be the woman that I am today without that experience and those girls like really helped me understand that we're all struggling I have I've now now I've gotten a lot more vulnerable with people but then I always kept things to myself and when you're in a cabin that's freezing cold in the north of Ontario and you have no insulation and you literally all have to like cuddle up in order to be able to sleep comfortably on very cold nights you <laughs> you bond in ways you never expected and that's what Rangers was like for me so that was a huge pivot point for me I left that summer a different person I was a different Victoria. I was I was a more mature Victoria who had made connections and developed relationships with people that she never had. And I still didn't love myself, but I was getting there this at this point. I didn't hate everything about myself. You know, I was strong. I chopped down trees. I carried canoes. To me, it was strength that mattered after that summer. And so my whole grade 12 year, I was definitely still insecure, but I distinctly remember that the insecurity felt different. Like I felt insecure because I had the, a crush on someone and I didn't, they didn't really like me and, or at least I didn't know if they liked me. <laughs> um, but I was just a different person after that summer. And it was because, yes, I was still insecure, but I was a little bit more confident in myself and confident enough in myself to know that like, eh, you know, if I like that person and they don't like me, that's not the end of the world. And that was a huge pivoting point for me. So when I graduated grade 12, um, I actually did have someone ask me to prom. And honestly, I think I underestimated how beautiful I was. I think there were a lot of people who liked me that I just didn't even notice because I had no experience at all. Um, I didn't date anyone in high school. 
So I, <laughs> like one of my friends from high school asked me to prom and I was basically like, yes, but only as friends. And he was like, that's fine. And then apparently there was someone else that liked me that like threatened him. I don't even remember the circumstances, but someone else wanted to ask me and he got to me first and I was glad he did because I trusted him and I really liked him like as a friend. So prom was okay. I actually felt really cute at my prom. Um, I didn't feel super cute at my grad, but, but I did at the same time. Like I remember how I felt at my grad and I felt a little insecure, but I was so proud of myself that it didn't even matter. And that was huge for me because I remembered at my grade eight grad that like, it was like self-hatred that really consumed me that whole day. I just felt so inadequate. And so then university started and university is where it really got great for me. I got into university and I immediately, it was like I would like everything that I had learned at Rangers came to a head. I started looking into feminism and studying feminism and, and I took a course on feminism, intersectional feminism, by the way, I want to talk about intersectional feminism and how there's a lot of Western feminists that are just not intersectional at some point. Anyways, so I started taking courses on feminism and I watched a documentary called Misrepresentation and I learned about how everything that we see is photoshopped and that like I had known it, but seeing it and seeing how they changed these people's bodies, this was in 2011, seeing how they changed these women's bodies was mind boggling to me. I was like, this is horrendous. How could they be changing their bodies this extremely and then trying to pass it off like they looked like that? And it was like a switch flipped. I never bought another fucking magazine unless it was like bitch or bustle. Um, I never bought another women's health. I never bought another. Actually, I did buy one. that had Ashley Graham on it. I, I buy everything covered that Ashley Graham has on because I love her. Um, so I started really getting into feminism and I, and I started really researching like, you know, the body and, and how the women's body is represented. And, and I realized, oh my God, <laughs> they want me to hate myself. And then I discovered Lacey Green. And I know Lacey Green has been like super controversial, but in 2011 or 2012, she wasn't. She was just making videos about women's health and feminism and how women can love themselves. And that was so helpful to me. I really admired Lacey Green because she was like a curvier woman who was making YouTube videos. And it was someone who didn't look exactly the same as everybody I'd been seeing on television. And at this point, I was a lifeguard and um, I kind of cut the whole lifeguard training part out, but that was a real struggle for me as well because I had to not only hate myself, but be in a bikini or not a bikini, in a bathing suit all the time training to be a lifeguard. So at this point I was a lifeguard. I was every day challenging my supreme insecurity about my dark under eye circles because you can't wear makeup when you're teaching swimming lessons. So I was challenging that every day. I had a crush on someone that I was working with. I, but I loved my job and I was really good at my job. And you know, once you start working as a lifeguard, it doesn't matter like how you look. It matters whether you can save someone's life. And so that was helping me as well. But what really was helping me was all of this research on how society and how the diet industry wants to ruin your life, basically. So I was like confident. I was confident, but I still hadn't dated anyone. And then in 2013, um, I decided to start dating someone. Um which I know is like a lot of people consider that late blooming. Like I was like 19, like bring it down a notch. I can wait until I'm 19 to start dating someone. 
And so I started dating that person and like, I don't even really remember the relationship, <laughs> like totally honest. I don't really remember that much about it, but I do remember that I broke up with him because I wasn't happy with the relationship. So I, I ended up breaking up with him. And I mentioned this in the last episode, that was another turning point for me. It was where I realized I have all of the power I could possibly ever need or want. And so I started to just like become this confident person that I am now. And that was in 2014. And so I started getting way more confident. And then I discovered body positivity online. So I had already been surrounding myself with all of these um, magazines and, and, and like feminist readings and feminist takes on things and videos about feminism and videos about, you know, saying fuck you to the diet industry. And I had read The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf and I had read Full Frontal Feminism and I had read Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks. And I was a feminist at this point, like a scholarly feminist. And I was like really proud of myself for that. And so then I started tapping into the body positivity community on Instagram. Now, before this, my social media had just been me following celebrities and that's toxic. So I was finding that I was still like having these moments where I would go on social media and I would hate myself. And it was like, why? And it was because, oh, not only am I watching television shows where I'm not seeing myself represented, but I'm also surrounding myself on social media, which I have power over. And I'm choosing people who I'm not represented by. It didn't make any sense. So I started following some plus size models on Instagram. And then, you know, when you follow some, you get recommended more and then you find all of these people. And my life changed when I started following body positive people online. Like when I found the body positivity movement on Instagram, it was like I was there with my confidence. I was like there with my confidence. I was a pretty confident person, but I wasn't like the most confident person. It was sky high and it's just been like getting more and more and more as I've been on social media and as I become a part of the body positivity community. So at this point I was just observing the body positivity community and I was seeing all the things that they were saying and we were talking I was seeing them talk about like not dieting and at this point I still was trying to lose weight occasionally which um I'm like kind of ashamed of but also not because I was still even though I was like a feminist and didn't believe in diet culture I was still like tracking my calories which I don't do anymore but if I do it's more of like a like to get a heads up but I don't track my calories every day and I can't even remember the last time that I tracked any calories at all so I was still trying to lose weight at that point. In 2015, I lost like, I don't know, 30 or 40 pounds. And I was like the smallest I had ever been and remembered. I think I weighed like 150 at that point. And to me, you're probably thinking, oh, that's pretty big. But no, I looked scary skinny. I look back at the photos and I'm like, whoa, what you guys don't understand is that I probably weigh a lot more than you think. Um, weight is like hidden well on my body. I just, my body distributes weight differently. And so I've always been like really built um, and really like thick. That's why I call myself thick because I am a thick person and I'm a heavy, hefty person. And I always have him. So when I weighed 150 pounds, that was tiny, tiny. That was like teeny tiny, like itty bitty baby, teeny tiny. Like I look back on photos of that time in 2015 and 2016 when I lost that weight and I'm like, oh my God, like I was 
so slim. I was like so frighteningly slim. So it was really easy to love myself then because I was doing exactly what society wanted me to. So then, you know, I was like, okay, okay. I'm like, I can like loosen up the reins a little bit. I can like stop being so restrictive. And it wasn't like dangerously restrictive, but it was restrictive enough that like I look back on the photos now and I'm like, God, you look gaunt. Um, But I didn't feel gaunt then. But I was like cold all the time. Like it was just not where my body was meant to be. Frightening. So, so frightening. But but I had actively tried to get there and I was proud of myself in the moment. And I'm not going to erase that history because it happened. So then I started dating someone new in like 2016. Yeah, in 2016, I started dating someone new and I really loosened the reins. Um, and then I got a job at the beginning of 2017 that required me to commute into Toronto. And that fucked with my sleep schedule, that fucked with my hormones. It messed with a lot of stuff for me. And I was eating a lot more because I was awake so much. And so I started gaining weight. And it was like I was hit with this whole new wave of, oh, no, 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 this is bad you know, it, it was like, I was like back and I had like reverted and I was like, okay, I need to work on this again. And I started from scratch and I started and I refollowed and I followed more people who were loved body positivity. And I unfollowed anybody who was potentially triggering for me. And I just started to relearn to love myself, even with the weight gain. And if you guys are a part of the body positivity community, you know how difficult it is like it's it's kind of like you can work on loving yourself in your current state but if you start to defy diet culture and start to gain weight it's difficult because you have been conditioned your whole life to not take up more space and that's wrong you're allowed to take up as much space as your body feels is right and so I started gaining some more weight and it took a lot of time for me to to love myself but once 2018 rolled around I was like where I am now and I have never been more confident in my life I of course have days don't we all we all have days where we don't really love ourselves (laughs) like I wake up sometimes and I'm like Jesus I don't feel great about my body but that's normal it's ebbs and flows any person in the body positivity community who tells you that I love myself every day I never don't love myself. They're lying. They're lying to you. Everybody has days. And sometimes you have moments in a day where you do love yourself. And that's humanity. And that's just how it is. And nothing's really going to change that. I know for a fact that I'm not going to love myself every single day of every single week all the time. I have bad days. But at the end of the day, I am happy and I am healthy and I am comfortable. Somebody who came up with that is Carrie Hope Fletcher, who also really, really helped me because when I started to gain weight, I was already a huge fan of her. I felt like she was way smaller than me. turns out her and I were basically the same size. And I'd been looking at her and idolizing her as like body goals, but I had the same body as her. So it was interesting to make that realization because I have always struggled with body dysmorphia 
does my body look the same way in the mirror as it does on my body now? And I'm at the point where I know that my body does look the way that it does. And I'm happy with my body the way that it is. Um, And I flaunt it on social media because you know what? I love being curvy. The fact that I have an hourglass shape first of all, puts me in a privileged position on social media because I have the ideal curvy body. I know there are lots of people who don't have the ideal curvy body. For anybody who's listening audibly, I'm doing air quotes around the ideally. You know, there are some people who don't have that body. They have it way worse than me. But I get a lot of people on social media saying bullshit like, you're promoting obesity and blah, blah, blah. I don't really care what you think. First of all, the BMI is a sham. If your doctor tries to tell you that the BMI isn't a sham, they're lying to you. If you go to your doctor and your doctor tells you that you're healthy, you're healthy. Don't worry about your weight if your doctor says you're healthy. I go to my doctor pretty frequently because I'm chronically ill. I have asthma. And every time she reminds me that I'm healthy. I go and get blood tests every year make sure that I'm healthy because anemia runs in my family and my levels are always great because I take the appropriate supplements and I'm healthy and that really matters like it really matters and at the end of the day as long as you're healthy and you're happy and you're comfortable what else matters what society wants you to look like doesn't matter you know, you don't have to look like anybody else. Isn't that like the beautiful thing about the world? I look different than you and you look different than me and you look different than your brother or your sister or your best friend. If we all looked the same, how boring would that be? It would be so boring. And so to me, it, it was a path that needed to be taken And sure, it sucked to hate myself when I was younger, but I'm so, so happy that I went through everything that I did so that I could learn to love myself the way I do now and so that I could learn to spread body positivity the way I do now. Now, the body positive movement as a movement is actually a an activist political movement. So, you know, don't necessarily like if you are like a straight sized you know, not person of color, like, like a straight size white person, maybe don't, you know, become the main advocate for body positivity. But you can still be body positive, just not part of the political movement of body positivity. But follow people of color, like follow fat activists, follow people who are fighting for you know fat phobia to 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 end i see instances of like subtle silent fat phobia all the time and it sucks and it's shitty and thankfully it's not nearly against me as often as it's against other people shouldn't be against anyone but i'm very lucky that it happens to me less because my shape is like the shape that everybody's like wanting right now but i want to top this episode off by talking about some strategies that i think would really 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 help and that really helped me through my time you know learning how to be body positive and love myself and These strategies are not going to work for everyone, but they might, you know, 
One of them is making changes to your body that you want to make, not changes that anybody else wants you to make. So I have all of these tattoos. I got tattoos because I wanted to get tattoos. I'm sure my family would be very happy if I didn't have any tattoos. But I got tattoos because I think they're beautiful. And I'm so much more confident about my arms now that I have these tattoos because I feel whole with my tattoos. That's not like a necessity, but you know, it's part of it. If you're struggling with loving yourself, this is going to be like kind of cliched, but you need to come up with a mantra. Um, I stole mine from Ashley Graham when I first started following her in 2016. And it was, I am bold. I am brilliant. I am beautiful. And I would say that in the mirror multiple times to myself until I believed it. And now I don't have to say it. I just believe it. One thing that I also like to do is look in the mirror and just think all of the awful things that I would normally think. And then think about how I could replace those with positive things. So I would look at the cellulite on my thighs and be like, ah, fucking cottage cheese thighs you look awful terrible horrible and then I'd be like but my legs are strong and I can lift people out of pools and I can save lives so why do I care about the way they look and that that kind of thing where I actively would think the thing and then challenge it right away in my own head that helped me more than anything there are also other things that you can do you can find a style of clothing that one of the things that I think is also part of it is finding clothing that you feel confident in. So go shopping, brave the dressing rooms. I am a huge fan of exposure therapy. It's how I helped um, kind of handle a lot of my anxiety. Exposure therapy is massive. So if you're anxious about going into a change room because you think that it's going to make you look a certain way, or you think that it's going to make you look terrible, exposure therapy by forcing yourself to go into that change room and try it and do it anyways and think positive things in that mirror, that's going to help you in the long run. And yes, exposure therapy sucks and it's really hard at the beginning, but every single time you do it, every single time you brave that change room, every single time you try and you try to make yourself feel better and you look at yourself in that mirror and say, that dress looks fabulous. I would love to wear that. You are allowed to treat yourself. This is very important, actually. <sighs> you are allowed to wear absolutely any item of clothing that you want. I wear crop tops all the time. It does not matter what size you are. You should wear a crop top. Your body is a bikini body. You should wear that bikini. Our bodies are constantly flowing and changing. Even just within one month, my body changes because of hormones. Our bodies are in a constant state of ebb and flow. You cannot expect your body to never change. Our bodies are here to stretch and to grow with us. And it is so important that we start to embrace that fact. A lot of people are super frustrated right now about gaining weight during quarantine and I'm just kind of like first of all why do you all weigh yourselves <laughs> first of all I recommend everybody get rid of their scale I am a firm believer in not using scales and using the way you feel or if you really want to using measurements as a way to go based on things but like weight doesn't matter one of my friends who 
like looks bigger than me weighs less than me and it just is the way her body carries weight so weight is literally just an arbitrary number <laughs> in relation to how much space we take up in regards to gravity <laughs> you know it literally doesn't matter the human body is amazing and it will change and it will grow and it will shape and it will be different and there are so many things that you can do to learn to love yourself and the things that I have said are only a couple I really wanted to discuss my personal path through finding confidence and finding body positivity because I know a lot of other people have dealt with this kind of stuff and I know some people aren't even there yet and maybe you're in the middle of the path and I want you to know that you deserve to love yourself you deserve to be confident in the body you have right now you don't need to reach a goal weight in order to love yourself you need to love yourself this minute because this is the body you have right now and it's breathing and it's working and it's there for you and you deserve to love it you deserve to love it that's what you deserve your body deserves the love so take some extra time love yourself love your body take care of your body and you know sometimes that's by eating treats and sometimes that's by eating healthy and what you eat doesn't mean you don't deserve respect and it doesn't matter what size you are you still need to eat I'm very thankful that dietary issues aren't really a struggle for me anymore but they were for a little while and that is what it is I would like you guys to let me know by tweeting at me or in the comments of the YouTube video of this podcast what kind of tactics you use to love yourself and to work on your body confidence and your body positivity because it is so, so important. And there are a million and one things that you can do in order to get to this point. I do recommend reading some of the feminist texts that I discovered that I discussed, not discovered, that I discussed in this video. The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf is very, very good reading in terms of how the beauty industry and feminism intersect. In addition, anything by Bell Hooks is great. I really loved The Fuck It Diet and uh, Body Positivity Power, which is actually written by a body positivity Instagrammer. All of these books will help you get a base knowledge of the kinds of tactics that other people use as well. But what I can't recommend enough is surrounding yourself and your social media feed with diverse people and diverse bodies. Seeing faces that don't look like the things you see on television and seeing faces that don't look like yourself. It helps you learn that bodies are beautiful in no, no matter what shape or size they come in. Anyways, that is everything for me in this episode today. I decided to make this episode exclusively about body positivity. We are going to still discuss the divine feminine, but we're going to do it in a different episode of the podcast because I think it needs its own episode. So we are going to discuss the divine feminine, just not today because the divine feminine is a lot to dive into. And I feel like this episode would have been like two hours long if we talked about body positivity and the divine feminine. If you guys haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you tossed us a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to me. The more reviews and ratings we get, 
the more we get recommended to people that are listening to similar podcasts. If you have it in you, I would really recommend it. If you could give us a follow on Spotify, that would mean a lot because a lot of you guys are listening on Spotify. So if you can listen and if you can, you know, give us a follow on Spotify, that would mean the world to me. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I hope you guys have a wonderful morning, noon, night, evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are. And I will be here for you in the next episode of The Thick Witch. Bye.